As fall fills up with activities and obligations, even a small time saver can feel like a big help. Grammarly is an all-in-one writing tool that makes clear, concise communication easier than ever, so you can finish your work earlier and head off to family dinners, social events, and fall weddings. Grammarly is free to download and works where you do, so every project gets finished quicker. Make sure your writing is free of mistakes with Grammarly's free, comprehensive writing suggestions and get an instant take on how your message comes across with the free tone detector. Let Grammarly Premium's sentence clarity rewrites help you find the perfect words on the first try. You'll be confident writing client emails, deadline-driven reports, and presentations without staying late at the office. Get more time back in your day by writing with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcasts to sign up for a free account. Then get 20% off when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium. That's Grammarly.com slash podcasts. Hello, everybody. It's the CBC Wisdom Hour number 34. I'm Steve Witchell in New Orleans. Hey, hey Tony Bonner coming to you from New Jersey. Today is a very special episode. I'm just going to get right into it. I'm sharing this live on the Facebook page here. We are live, so if you want to listen in and comment, ask questions, please feel free to do so. We're also live in the group, uh, Caribbean Central Groups on Facebook. And today we have a special guest. My friend, author, speaker, and all-around great guy, Bob Doyle. What's up, Bob? <laughs> Thanks for the all-around great guy part. Thank you. Thank you all. Please be seated. And I didn't even say musician. Musician, author, speaker, and all-around great guy. Yes, yeah, in, in, in proper introduction, Steve. Yes. All right, let's take this whole thing from the top. Now, okay, look, we're good. <laughs> all right, take I, two. Hey, we've done that before. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> oh, we have done that several times. I've, got five minutes in real that something wasn't turned yeah. on. It's like, going to restart this. Hang on. Yeah, you don't ever experience technical problems. Yeah, right, no. I've never had a technical problem in my entire life. Right. All right. Here we go. We're live in the group. We're live on the page. Oh, I got it done. Multitasking, man. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah, excellent. All right. So I want to tell the audience and, and you, Bob, about a little, a little bit of history here. Some of the audience here knows uh, the history of me and Tony, but uh, go over it again and how this all ties in, how we all tie in together. Uh, Tony and I played in a band together in New Jersey. Uh, I want to say it's 2005. Is that about right, Tony? Yeah, but 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 back up a second and and just preface that by how we started um, to play in the band. Yeah, because uh, that's yeah. Well, I just I subbed for his band. He had an existing group, and I was called into sub. And we were trying to figure this out yesterday. We couldn't remember how that happened, but um, I you know they liked me. I liked them, and then I eventually got hired. Uh, or I guess I got hired right, right away from that gig. And but, but, but right off the bat, Steve and I had a lot in common. We immediately clicked. We made, you know, a, a musical magic that evening. We did. And it was like, uh, you know, like we had played together for 10 years. It was, just, right. you know, like a really magical uh, e- evening for for playing with, you know, I played with a bunch of guys subs too, as Steve has, and he can attest it was just, there was something different about the, the that evening where it was like wow this is really this is cool and special and i'm really glad that we, we got to meet 
Yes, and it's a, it just felt great. So um, I was in that band for probably about a year, give or take. And then after we parted ways, Tony and I still stayed in touch. And he was teaching drums every Monday night. And he was would, it was about an hour drive for him home. And he would call me every Monday night on his drive home from his lesson. And we would just talk music, talk. And this was, you know, 2005, 2006, before The Secret and any of that stuff. But we would talk about law of attraction-y type things without calling it that. And just the positive aspects of being a musician and, and all the things that go into it and stuff. And we would just riff like that. And then it turned into an every Monday thing. And then eventually, um, Tony, I think you dubbed it the Wisdom Hour because we would always come up with sort of wisdom-y type of things um, while still being silly. And then... Yeah, so we sing the, the theme song for that. was <laughs> It goes freedom. And instead of saying freedom, we say wisdom. Are so I would call him every Monday and, and, and sing that into the phone. That would start the conversation going. And we never yes. had a topic, but it always revolved around the fact that, you know, there are no coincidences when you realize, you know, the people that are in your life, the situations you encounter, the things that you attract to yourself. And that was the basis of the, the conversation. Like Steve said, before there was any talk of this, you know, intentions and, and manifesting and things of that nature and, and the secret, we had our own conversations about just life and all the things that were grateful for and blessings. And like I said, it was, it was interesting and it went on for a couple of years where we did that. Yes. So we dubbed it the wisdom, wisdom hour, hour because yeah. we both felt that after we had these calls, which became a regular thing, we were somehow wiser and our, our spirits were uplifted and we, we just felt inspired and better because we had camaraderie and we were joking around and it was a regular thing. And it was just an outlet to talk about um, things that you, you know, would not normally talk about it if you didn't put some thought into it or had that topic to discuss. And it just became a regular routine conversation that we had every week. Yes. And uh, then during the course of that time, The Secret came out. I was working at a bookstore and I, I saw the movie first. Uh, I saw it actually um, streaming. I, I had gotten an email, you know, sending me to a link to watch this new thing. And I watched it. And this was I think it was before the book was even out in, in the store. And um, and then I told Tony about it, and then he watched it, and then we started talking about that. And now, fast forward 12 years later, here we are with Bob Doyle from The Secret. Right. Wow. And the, <coughs> and the ironic thing about that, Bob, was that as we talked about these wisdom hours and we talked about things, we, we recounted, or at least you know I recounted to Steve, like my journey musically and the people I met along the way and the situations that happened and some of the absolutely mind-blowing situations that I found myself in that looking back now were all, you know, law of attraction related um, things. And like I said, I, I have a really good story we could we could share for, for later or Steve, if yes. you want to tell it now real quickly about the. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. That's, so, so that's the history. And Bob, I wanted to tell you this, too. Um, the picture that I took of myself with your shirt, the Bob Doyle show shirt. Um, I have two people there, two guys there on the left, right of me. And one of them is Tony. Oh, okay. I'll have to go back and look at it again. Yeah, he yeah, was. And I, he I was just happened to be in New Orleans out uh, business and and got yeah. the opportunity to play with Steve and comment and said, "Oh, cool! You have a Bob Doyle shirt on. How how ironic!" And then we took the picture and then, yeah. you know, all the things came. Yeah, from that. and then wow. during that visit before he left, I said, "You know, we should turn the Wisdom Hour thing or our conversations. I didn't even call it Wisdom Hour, but into some sort of podcast thing." That was when I really kind of initiated that idea with Tony. And uh, and then sooner after that, we, we did it. And, and, you know, because I kind of consulted you on tips 
to get this started. So, um, so I'm, I did not know that there was a history of conversations before that. Oh, I didn't yeah. know it was like an offline, uh, ongoing thing. That's very, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so it, it's all very serendipitous and it's, it's pretty wild. It's, it's kind of surreal that I started this podcast now with Tony wisdom hour for conversations that we had 12 years ago. And now we have you here and I'm thrilled about it. So thank you for being here, Bob. Well, it's my pleasure. <laughs> now, and you know that that story, I assume you're going to tell it of, I guess, when Lynn was out in, your, in the audience of your, I can't even remember the details. Yeah, I'll tell you that story again, because when I told you that, that I told that you. Was, yeah, I, yeah, that was in, like impossible. Yeah, I told it quickly. I don't know if I told, I think I did tell Tony the story, but I don't know if I told the audience the story. Uh, I was playing in a club called The Famous Door on Bourbon Street. I still do play on Bourbon Street. Um, it was packed. It was a weekend night. I, uh, the stage faces away from the street in towards the club, and I was on stage left. There was a door to me on stage left going outside, or people coming in right right, uh, right there, and the stage is elevated about three feet in the air, and packed. Um, and this woman was holding up her phone towards me, towards my face, and that happens often in, in New Orleans where people will hold up their phone to request a song, show you a picture of something, whatever. So I just kind of leaned in and I looked and I saw your face and I, th I thought it was just a picture of you. And in my mind, mind you, the, it's loud in the club. I'm in the middle of playing a song, you know, I'm playing bass and I'm just leaning down looking at this thing. And in my mind, what she was doing was saying, this is Bob Doyle. <laughs> and I had no idea why she would be saying that, but I just said, and it was loud, you know, I said to her, that's Bob Doyle. And she said, huh? And I said a little louder, that's Bob Doyle. And, and that was the end of that. She left, you know, a couple minutes after that. And then the next day, somehow I remembered that incident and I went and, uh, I think I set, uh, contacted you cause I think you and I were Facebook friends already at them at that point. And I think I said, you know, some hot blonde showed me a picture of you last night and, <laughs> and then she, Lynn actually ended up contacting me and telling me the whole story. And it, what it turned out to be was that you were FaceTiming with her. And she was just showing you where you were at, uh, where she right. was at. I, and I didn't understand when you first reached out to me, it wasn't, it just, the whole thing didn't click. You know, it wasn't like I wasn't wise and it, I, I didn't really get it. And I know, I think I didn't respond or I didn't, you know, something like that. But then years, when, I guess it was years later, or it was quite some time later when the story was re represented to me. And then it was like, oh, wait a minute. That's like ridiculous. How like that you would even recognize me from a phone picture and all of that. And then now, you know, now we've been, you know, sort of working together in various capacities for uh, over a year now. Uh, yeah, about a year and a half. It, it was um, it was right when I around when I quit smoking. So it's a little more than a year and a half when I first um, kind of reconnected with you because I was always on your mailing list uh, and things you would send out and stuff. And a lot of people from The Secret, I was on their mailing list and then a, a bunch of them I dropped off of because of they were just annoying me. But for some reason, for you, it, it, it was just it always. Um, it always hit home things that you would talk about. And then you sent out this email about the, the, what eventually turned out to be the click process and, um, and said, you know, this is a, a thing I, a process I did to quit an addiction. And, and I, at that point I was really gung ho about quitting smoking. I had been smoking for 25 years. So I was like, Hmm, you know what, I'm going to watch this and maybe this will be the, the final straw. So I, I, you know, I watched it and I went into watching that, thinking that too, thinking like, this is going to be the final straw. That's really going to get me to do it. And when I watched it, I was like, that's it. I mean, that, that's it. 
you know, and, and, yeah. and then the next, I guess it was the next day I quit smoking and I haven't gone back since. So, so it's uh, a year and a half. Uh, more than that. so excellent. And then, yeah, you and I have stayed in touch ever since and worked together since then. So uh, it's been a, a, a wild ride. <laughs> Indeed. So I want to just for the audience, um, since we're a music based program and music based site, I want to just get into your music part that you, you play ukulele and for my money you're very good um i know you don't think as highly of yourself as as others do but i think you're very good and well it's it's just that i i think i i'm i'm trying to be kind to myself i'm not i don't feel like i'm i suck or anything like that it's just that i'm i'm really clear that i want to get better now i think for a while you know and but before that i was mostly a keyboard player i composed more you know soundtrack type music. That's what I thought I was going to do with my life at one point was, was compose soundtracks. And what's interesting about that, uh, as it plays into this whole conversation was I finally got the opportunity, like years later, I got the opportunity to score uh, just a short little trailer for a film. Someone asked me, and I had done, you know, jingles for commercials and stuff like that. Um, but that was, you know, here's 30 seconds and here's what you, it was very direct. When, when I was actually presented with the opportunity to score something, I just totally freaked out. It was like um, I got so in my head about doing it right or that, you know, it had to hit the right timing and all because it was, you know, it was a soundtrack. So I had to hit post and things like that. And I let that just absolutely get the best of me, you know, and I ended up bailing on it. Hmm. And when this was, was this? you know, after after the secret, all of that stuff. I mean, I was oh, okay. in the law of attraction conversation and I had told this guy who's a filmmaker friend of mine, you know, anytime you want to, you know, would like to do that, I'd love to be able to have the opportunity to do it. And then when it was given to me, I, it was just I amazed myself at how stopped I was huh. about doing that. And that's kind of when I realized I, I got some work to do in this particular area. Wow. Um, well, interesting, Bob, you say that because it's almost like performance anxiety to where when I used to teach, I would tell students, you know, you can, when you play at home in your basement and there's no pressure and nobody's watching, you create these magnificent things and you play at the greatest capacity and there's no mistakes and you're free. And then the second that you get into a recording studio or you're going to record it or you have to get in front of people and play it live, the only thing that changes is your perception of your environment, right? You still have the talent, you know, you can do it, you've done it. And you know, that's the interesting thing about that, the mental block that that puts us in a different headspace that doesn't allow us to to create right and and to be free because we we, we come up with that block a self-manifested block and there's also some biology at play too you know you the stress hormones release and it literally blocks you from some of the creativity but what i learned years later was that it, you know my focus was so on doing it right because i thought that if i made a mistake if i sang off key if my instrument was out of tune if i forgot out a lyric that then the whole world would see me as a musical fraud and I would never be taken seriously as a musician and no one would ever want to hear me play again. I mean, and that's the way, and I'm sure there's people who are listening who can relate to this, that they feel like if they make a mistake, that their credibility is blown, they've lost their opportunity and no one will ever take them seriously as, as a musician. Right. And so that's why I would only share my music if it was recorded and polished to, 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 to my standards, you know, and, and it's funny because now... I'll go back and listen to the stuff that I thought was polished then. And today I would, I would never consider it polished. And it was like, Oh my God, I was sharing that thinking that was good. Right. But, but the point was my, my whole focus went from why I really love to play music, which is, you know, we as musicians, 
we love to play music for all the reasons that we know we do. It puts us in a, an awesome energetic flow. It, we're, we're creating and it's inspired and it just feels good. But as soon as we move into the, now we have to, now others have to be on the same page as us or we need them to like us or whatever, the whole thing changes, or at least it did for me. And I really just kind of need to speak from my own, my own perception. But you know, what I really learned years later, like when I started playing the ukulele, that was the instrument that really broke me free because I had the, you know, the piano and keyboards and stuff like that. And I really had a belief that, you know, you had to be of a certain proficiency to be taken at all seriously. And then, and then the guitar too, you know, if there was right before I started playing the uke, I was getting very serious about the guitar. I had just bought a new guitar and I was really going to, now I was going to learn more than those seven chords, right? I was really going to get into it. But again, it was like, I just thought that if you're a guitar player, you had to be this good to be taken seriously. But there was something about the ukulele that was like, and this was, it was just, you know, this isn't true. It's just my belief, right? But my belief was that, oh, well, it's just the uke. Nobody cares. It doesn't matter if you play it a little off. It doesn't matter if it's a little bit out of tune. It doesn't matter because because people have a different expectation of the ukulele. Again, my belief, my perception. Right. But that allowed me to start playing just for fun. And almost the, well, absolutely, the day I got the ukulele, I was posting videos on YouTube, something I'd never done really before with any other instrument. And I didn't care about getting it right. It was just fun. And so that instrument got me reconnected with why do I play music in the first place? It's because it's fun, you know, and if people like it, great, but I'm doing it for me. Now that evolved even more so over the course of time. And, and, you know, for me now, what's really the juice around music and all of that and what got me over the, the fear of making mistakes. And look, I'd still prefer to do it right. There's, you know, sure. there's no question. <laughs> I don't go out there not not caring whether or not I do it right. I still do care. But what I've learned is that people don't care nearly as much as I thought they would. They don't really care you know, at all. I mean, th to tell you the truth, they, you know, you can make mistakes and people just don't notice or, or, I mean, I think you were talking about it this morning too, where, um, they'll either, they'll notice and not care or they'll notice and then just like shrug it off or they just won't notice. Um, if you, as long as you as the musician don't get in your head around it and put all the energy and focus on it, and make faces like, oh, my God, I screwed up and all that, because they're going to follow you energetically. You know, yes. you've, if you've established any kind of connection, which is really what this is about, establish, establishing a connection with your audience, they'll be with you. Yep. And if you go against yourself, they're going to as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, there might be some people who pity you, but for in general, if a person doesn't know you, if you act flustered, if you have a meltdown or any of that stuff shows, well, you've disconnected from the audience. You're no longer present. You're not even even there. Right. Yeah. And so no one's having fun with this anymore. Right. They're gonna and that it. I think was the, that was the biggest aha for me is that, you know, if I make a mistake now, cause I do a fair amount of playing the ukulele online live now, right. if I make a mistake now, it's, I either just breeze through it or I'll have fun with it. You know, I may, I may acknowledge it. I may not. It just depends on how can I make this, uh, this fun. But for the most part, what I try and do is just keep going, just keep going because mm -hmm. they'll forget about it. Five seconds after, after it happens. Yep. I mean, unless you, when you fixate on the problem and then from a law of attraction point of view, you're, you're all energetically all whacked and you're much more, much more likely to continue to make errors. Your voice will go flat or sharp. You know, your, your fingers will lock up and you won't play the chords right. You'll forget lyrics that you know, you'll forget chords that you know, because like I said, you're not there anymore. You're back at the mistake 
and that's what's happening and you're just creating all this negative energy and it's and it's affecting your physiology as well so your body doesn't do what your brain wants it to do so if you can stay present and remember why you're doing it and remember that you're doing it for them as much as you're doing it for us uh, for for yourself then you know then you can continue to keep the flow going no matter what what happens yes and and understanding that that connection is always there too you know really kind of feeding off of that give and take and yeah if if you feel nervous the audience is going to feel nervous they're going to that feeling is instant so yeah like you said you got to stay present if you make it people always make mistakes i i play all the time and i still make mistakes and i just don't think about it i don't give it any mind and the same can be true even if you're just uh, just starting out and you're just playing in front of people for the first time you make mistakes don't worry about it you just keep playing and remember that why you're doing it and it's for the love of music because it's really all about feeling everything you know everything you talk about um we talk about law of attraction and stuff and especially music is about feeling i I was thinking this thing a few years ago that struck me as very odd i was driving down the road and i was listening to music i was like you know it's interesting that there's only one sense human sense that we use to enjoy music which is hearing as opposed to say like food where you can see it you can touch it you can smell it you can taste it music is just using the one sense but what's why does it why is it so impactful and it's so impactful to people because of how it makes you feel whether you're listening to it or playing it and that's the bottom line of what's most important really about everything in life there's so yeah the 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 whole thing about music is it's such a great example of sort of how the law of attraction is working because music is all vibration right right and we literally resonate with music or we don't it's 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 such a great example of how this all works you know and so there's in addition to the hearing you know you it it has such um you're not just hearing it and no experience uh, and, and nothing happens like you said there's an emotional response and that emotional response actually creates a physical response it actually creates chemistry in your body that either feels good or if you don't like the music or you know if it's just dissonant and loud and it's just not your style it creates different chemistry and, and you don't like it so it's you're you are not just providing something interesting for people to listen to you're giving them a full on body experience right like that. right and what you how you channel your energy through it which is sort of invisible right but it shows up in every aspect of your performance even if it's just a recording but especially when you're live yes when they can experience you right up front and they're seeing your face because then it is more than just it is more than just hearing it, it is a full on full sensory experience. I mean, you're not tasting it, I don't think, but, you know, all that other stuff comes into play. Yeah. And, and Bob, I, to your point, too, like the spiritual and mental connection of that, I remember going to see Terry Bozio perform, and before he would play, he would play these random, just like crashes and random sounds, and then he would pause for like 30 seconds, and then he would start to play. So as I became fortunate to become friends with him, I asked him after about, you know, what was the whole premise behind that that introduction, how he does it, and he said... I have to play some dissonant sounds to clear the air, to open up the channel, to be able to, to, to channel myself mentally and spiritually and physically to get into the frequency of music so I can create from a place of, um, of, of uh, true authenticity by channeling that. And then when he would get reviews, people would say how soulful and moving and how people who weren't even drummers could relate to it and they felt a certain certain 
sort of um, like you said, like an attraction to it or almost like a resonance within themselves that uh, that that made them, you know, inspired to listen to that music and become part of that whole thing. And it was he would say it was almost be like a trance like state that he would put himself into to channel this. And it, it really came through in his performance. But, you know, it was very evident once he explained it that way. As a musician, when you're in the flow and, you know, for me, it happens more when I'm when I'm not live and I'm not when I know no one's watching me or if I even know there's not even any recording going um, at least, certainly at first when I'm in the flow there's a very again that's another full-on body feeling it's yeah. not not just it's not just audio it's not just like oh look I'm hitting these chords it's a feeling when you know you're in the flow and it almost feels like you can do no wrong and even a wrong note sounds okay oh, like yeah. I have definitely gotten to a place where I if I'm just noodling around or having fun like things that are technically not you know, they're mistakes, if you will, but they don't sound like that anymore because you're in this flow and you know where to go and how to adjust and all of that other stuff. And, and it's because you, you are no longer in your head. You're not thinking about every single note. You're thinking about the entire experience. And that is, and, and I love what you said about this guy, just sort of clearing the air, right? And because we come into these things and we've got all sorts of nerves, we've got all this stuck emotion, we've got all this stuff. And sometimes if you can just boom, 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 or just kind of of something to shake that up it helps you um to to kind of get that stuff out of your system and then you can relax into again being present and all and and all of that and getting into the flow all the quicker it still takes me you know it still takes me five to ten even when i when i'm speaking on a stage you know it takes me a good five minutes to get there you know because there's the whole introduction there's the applause there's the whole thing in my mind like they have an expectation and what am I going to say? Because most of the time I don't know, right? You know, it's, it's, will I get into the flow? All those things. But once, once the flow kicks in, it is literally effortless and it feels like, it feels like you can do no wrong. And you look, you won't connect with everybody. Not everybody's going to love everything you do or say. It's about having that genuine connection with the people who get you where you are. You know, those are going to be your diehard fans because they feel you, you know, they feel you, they feel connected to you. And that is a, that's something you can't, it's not tangible, right? It's even hard to describe. And so there's going to be people who like you and people who don't, but then there's going to be some people who the more genuine you are on stage, the more real that flow is, the more you're really present, the more present you are, the more present they're going to be with you. And it gives them those experiences that they remember and they talk about with people and just go, and that was just this incredible performance you know, but a lot of people won't know how to describe it. They won't say, well, he was so present and I was present. (laughs) They won't know those words, but, but that's what's happening. And that's what creates that, that sort of transcendent, like, how did that even happen kind of experience, which is so, it's such a rich, delicious thing when it happens. Oh yeah. It's it's being in the zone. And when you're part of it. Yeah. 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 Like when you're playing in a band, like Tony was saying before, when he and I connected immediately, there's this uh, yeah intangible magic sort of thing that happens and it's just it's kind of why i play music it's it's why a, a lot of us do it because we want that feeling of of just it's that absolute presence and where you just get chills up your spine and something beyond the, you know the sum of your parts is happening and uh you know i'm fortunate that i play so much and and i and i get that happening to me every week at you mm-hmm. know at times and 
you know, the stuff that, that people struggle with, I don't even have to think about anymore, you know, I, and I haven't had to for a long time. I haven't had to think about being present or think about not worrying about mistakes or any of that stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm far past that. I mean, but, you know, it took me several years to get past that. Um, but it's, you know, it's going into it for the love of it. And, um, and that's what really, uh, that, that's what really connects with people. Um, I just want to say real quick, um, uh, Chonk is here, Sarah's here, Alec have all said hi and they're all chiming in. So I just wanted to acknowledge them too. Ew. Yes. Um, but Steve, you know, if you're from, from, when from you kind of a, a law of attraction point of view, I mean, because you know that it, I do, I do look at things on that level. It's not the, the, you know, this whole law of attraction conversation can get really woo woo. And there can be people who have just visceral negative reactions. If you even bring it up, right? right. There's people just like, but it's because, it's been categorized as this magical thing that is woo-woo or new age. They've been given unrealistic um, definitions of what it is and how it works and what to expect from it. You know, but the more real, the more you really learn about what it is, you realize it's not a, it's not a woo-woo thing at all. And you don't even have to think about it on a daily basis because all of it translates into practical action. You know, when you, for example, if you want to succeed as a musician, you really have to move yourself into this place of being that successful musician, even if you don't have the years of experience, even if you haven't, you know, all of that. You're just like, this is who I am. And, and not necessarily like, oh, one day I'll be this or whatever. Like, you've got a musician inside you, right? Yes. And now you just need to get your body to catch up, your brain to catch up. You've got some things to learn. But that musician is in there. Oh, you yeah. are that now. I, I right. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Keep going. And so, if if as, as to the extent that you can own that, and this isn't about ego, right? This isn't about arrogance. Like, oh, I'm so great. It's just like this is my gift. This is who I am. This is a part of who I am, and I am, I am committed to expressing it. And it's a journey, right? To to train your body to do these things, to get your fingers in the right place, to get your voice and your throat to do these things. That's a journey. You know, we're not we're not necessarily all born with it. Just like five firing on all cylinders. Some people are, but it doesn't mean that if you aren't, you're not meant to be that. If the desire is in you, it's just a series of action steps. Now, from the law of attraction point of view, yes, there are energetic things going on. Your belief systems are, are energy and they do have an impact, but you don't have to think about that. You don't even have to buy into that. Right. What you do need to do is, is take the action that's going to move you there. And obviously, if you have self-talk about this is too hard, I'm not good enough, you're not going to take the same action action as a person who is committed to living into this vision that they have for themselves. So it doesn't have to be magical sounding. It doesn't have to be woo woo. You don't have to think about energy. You don't even have to put it on, on a freaking vision board. Yeah. Right. But what you do need to be clear on is this is who I am. This is who I'm committed to being and understanding why, you know, and understanding how it's going to feel when, when you're like that. And that flow feeling that we've been talking about is a big part of that. Yeah. I, I got to tell this story and I, I've never, I don't think I've told this on the show and I don't think I've told Tony, but you'll get a kick out of this, Bob. When I was like 12 or 13 years old, when I first started kind of listening to rock and roll music, I had a couple friends in my neighborhood and uh, my brother and we, we would get, go in one of our friend's basement and we would put on a cassette of, of one of our favorite albums. And back then it was like Back in Black by ACDC or, or a Zeppelin album or Who album. And we would get tennis rackets, pots and pans, and like a broomstick, and mimic being the. We would play the tape, and we would set up like we were a band in the in the basement, and 
than just like strum on our tennis racket and actually like do a show. And we, 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 we did this so often that we started to practice. We, were, we would get, have rehearsals. <laughs> and then we did <laughs> shows. We, we would do it in our garage. We would charge people 25 cents to come in and watch us mimic back in black on tennis rackets and pots and pans. And this was, you know, years before I decided I'm going to be a musician. Uh, I was just like, I'm having fun and I'm getting, getting into the, fe- I was in the feeling of being a musician on stage years before I actually ever picked up a real instrument. So, I mean, talk that about law of attraction. That is a great story. Yeah. That's a great story because you started, you did start again from the law of attraction, almost sounds woo-woo stuff. You started an energetic process at that point. Yeah. Th- you, you, you can't. One thing, you know, and again, this is borderline, it sounds woo-woo, but it, it really isn't since we all do, we do know that the energy, that the universe is made of energy and therefore everything is energy. We're all connected. Your thoughts, your beliefs, they're going to have an energetic impact, right? They're going to cause things to occur. And, you know, to the extent that we allow them, they'll come quicker. The, the, to the extent that we're intentional about it, that we're looking for it, that we're taking action, that we're that we know what intuition and feels like and we follow it that will keep things going faster now as a kid you know we're so intuitive naturally you know but maybe we don't have the we're not in an environment where we can actually take action on all the intuition that comes to us but you had a great start by putting on shows and if you got anybody to pay you a quarter to play a tennis racket man (laughs) we did but but that's awesome yeah and then what it did what it did for me was when the first time I actually, you know, got a bass and I started learning songs, as far as I was concerned, I could go and do a show. I've already done it. You know, it, I've already done it physically, even though it wasn't real. So the first time I actually went and played a gig, I was comfortable, you know, being on stage and being in front of people because I had already done it, even though it wasn't real. It was just, you know, but getting into to that energetic feeling, it, that was it. That's all I needed to do. But, but That's she, right. Shifting of the energies, like you guys are talking about, I'll, I'll tell you a real quick story. Because it was April twenty seventh, nineteen ninety six. I was studying drums in Long Island with uh, Dom Famularo. It was my last lesson. I had been studying with him for uh, almost four years, and he said, "You know, we've reached the end of our journey, and I want you to create a solo today for our last time together. And I want it to be, um, you know, in a certain way." And he said, "You know, orchestrate it in this this mindset, and start it with this theme, and come back to the theme." And it was this whole big process. And at the time. There's a drummer, Terry Bozio, who was a solo drum, solo drum artist, and he was, you know, at that point, like, my biggest inspiration, and I, I, I was really dedicated to learning his art form and how he played for several years while I studied with Dom Famularo. So it's our last lesson I'm ever going to take with him. We sit down, we start playing, it goes on for about 40 minutes, I play the last note of the solo, he, I look at him, he's got his eyes closed, he looks at me, he takes the headphones off, and he says, you know, Oh, that was that was so inspired and incredible and and I even wrote on the piece of paper think like Terry Bozio mm. and he said man that was just we have reached the end of our journey what what a great magnificent piece of music that was and a voice behind me says right on man great job and I turn around and Terry Bozio was standing in the room behind me whoa yeah wow that's awesome and, and if you don't and know you, Terry Bozio he's Bob he's he's just one of the most fantastic drummers he's highly respected in the industry he was but, a, yeah but he yeah. walked in and he and uh, and Don, and Dom said to me, he said, you called him here today. You summoned him here. And then I said to him, what are you doing here? And he said, I'm driving back to Texas, and I never come through this part of the, of the neighborhood. And I happened to go this way because we had to get gas for the bus. And I knew that Dom might be teaching at the Long Island Drum Center. So I stopped in, and I didn't want to interrupt your lesson, and I really enjoyed what you played. And then I showed him the paper, 
and he autographed it for me and, and wrote, you know, great job and autographed it and dated it. And I and at the top of the paper in my handwriting, I, I had wrote, you know, think like Terry Bozio. And there he was in the room. We took pictures with him. And it was a story I told forever. And, and he said, you know, the same thing. This is long before we even talked about Wisdom Hour or anything. It, it was the, how the energy of you put into the universe, that energy, you called him and he came. Un, like you said, subconsciously. Well, I... I I love that story on so many levels, and I hope people like the the think like Terry Bozio. That is it. There's a whole other conversation around that that we could go down that we won't because it's too involved. But that whole idea of of I'm gonna you said think like Terry Bozio. You know, be like him, and you you literally were channeling him in in a way. You opened yourself up to now. You had the knowledge. You had done the practice and all of those things. But there was this thing that you allowed yourself to do by by doing that by letting by embodying by letting the the very thought of him embody you and that can help everybody you know every musician out there if they have an an idol or someone they'd like to play with could have that same thought and and really as they're playing i mean look it sounds a little crazy but just try it it's not you know yeah, uh, there's so crazy. much of this stuff that i just invite people to try no matter how crazy it sounds you know because it's not going to hurt you to try it yeah, I, I do that too. Like you, I'll, no, no. I'm sorry, Bob, but I'll play songs. No, I'll play no. songs on stage and pretend, like in my mind, you know, just playing here in New Orleans with my cover band. Pretend in my mind that I'm actually playing with the band who originally recorded the song, and that hasn't, you know, manifested yet. But I still, but it will, you know, on some level. But I, I try to put myself in that same energetic feeling too. Well, and it probably helps you to enjoy the experience more. I mean, sure. because, yeah. you know, if the goal is because you get to feel like you're playing with a band, whether or not you are, you, you know, the, you, our thoughts, we have the control over that. And so the, the, the idea of playing with that band is going to give you a certain like if you were to do it, it's going to give you a certain feeling, you know, that you or at least you think it is. And so to imagine that you are can give you a great amount of that feeling and put you in the flow like it, there's something about. I'm playing with this band. There's there's a level of fun accountability that you now hold yourself to. You hold yourself to a little bit of a higher standard. You allow a different level of excellence to flow through through you because hey, I'm playing with a band. Yes, yeah, very well said. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, um, I mean that is if it doesn't shut you down with fear. But at at your point, at your level, that that's not what that's not where you were, right? You were you were you're a good enough musician where you got to have fun with that concept, right? It didn't shut you down, and you knew you weren't really playing. with with them so there wasn't there was nothing to lose you were going to be playing anyway so why not pretend like you're playing at that level and doing that will it again it will your body will cooperate with you yeah you know when your mind says i am your body will do its best to catch up with that thought and so with persistence and practice and all of those things you know your body will catch up to it and so the more that you put you have thoughts like that the quicker it's going to go obviously you're going to get there quicker if you have thoughts like that then i'll never or be as good as right, right? right. obviously because your body will just cooperate with that thought sure and even olympic coaches right that that have to have you know coached great uh, olympians has always said visualize yourself on the podium with the gold medal visualize yourself winning that event you know long before it happens already put yourself in that mindset and see it in your, your mind's eye as if it's already happened you're not focused on like you said the performance anxiety i hope i can run as fast as i can you know you've trained you're prepared um you know and you're you're in the right mindset but 
then you visualize your victory long before it happens. And, and that's, you know, that's for years that, you know, I've always read that, that, that many athletes have been coached and trained in that manner, you know, whether it be baseball or football or any sport, you know, visualize that home run before you step up to the plate, you know, see it already happening. Yes. And that's so proven over and over, but here's what happens in, in, in a lot of, in, in real life. And this is for anyone who's listening to this, who can relate to this, they hear that. And then as soon as they start to try to have that thought, all the crap comes up in their mind. Who are you to think that? Who are you to imagine that? Who are you to visualize that? That's never going to happen, right? And so obviously, then they stop doing it because that's not a good feeling. You don't want to be basking in those feelings. But when you, this is the, this is where the advantage of learning a little bit about what the law of attraction really is, not the the goofy stuff, but the what it really is and how our negative beliefs come into play then you understand that it's actually a gift when that stuff shows up because when you know how to deal with it when you know that hey there's a tool i can use to deal with that noise in my head i don't have to be ruled by this forever i can do this technique or this technique and then i will be able to have this visualization without it turning into something that feels bad where i start beating myself up because it is through the ability to have that visualization and and have that feeling of i've done on this I'm doing this right now that it's again you, there's two levels of it there's the law of attraction piece with it's going to invisibly sort of the energy's going to move and, and help you to manifest it but that also shows up physically you're going to practice more you're going to stop beating yourself up more there's going to be your body you're going to be more relaxed there's going to be more excitement the whole process should feel good good you know the thing about musicianship or getting good at anything in life is that you want to enjoy the journey as well and I think that's another big breakthrough that I've had just with the you from taking it to kind of strumming along to say, no, I really want it. Like I want to learn my scales. I want to learn how to improvise. I want to learn be, how to be able to get into a group of people and play with them no matter what they're playing and have a, a level of confidence. And that takes practice, but you should enjoy that process. The practice shouldn't be laborious. It should be something that you look forward to, right. you know, because you're, because it, that practice during that you're flowing, you're in, you're being a music, you're being the musician you want to be. And every musician practices you know, yes. so it's like, you know, it's, and, and depending on a million different variables, you're going to get there when you get there. So you don't compare yourself with others. You don't compare your progress with others, although they do, but I'm saying ideally you don't, right? It takes as long as it takes and let the journey itself be fun. Because if you can, if you could do that, if practice becomes fun, then you're, you will get there faster because you'll practice more. Yes. Um, so I want to touch on that thing that you said about that, you know, that voice that tells you you can't do this and, and you're not good enough and blah, blah, blah. And that's really the voice of the ego. And um, I posted a question the other day on the group about what are some of your biggest challenges for playing uh, music, being in a band, being a musician, whatever. And a lot of answers came back that said, you know, dealing with people with large egos. Now, when they're saying that, what they're really saying is, is dealing with somebody who thinks full of, you know, is full of themselves or is conceited or whatever. That's not really what the ego is about. So, Talk about the ego and, and how musicians can really deal with that with each other uh, on a level that's way more compatible and um, and successful, beneficial. Well, so the ego is really our sense of identity. I mean, we we think about people being having big egos and thinking, and it's this negative. They're so full of themselves. We're we're, we're sort of confusing ego with arrogance. You know, arrogance is when you're literally belittling everybody. Oh, I'm so great. I'm so great. Which is really. Uh, mask. You know, it, no one who is truly great and really feeling great needs to belittle other people. That is, if, if they're doing that, no matter how good they are, 
they've got some insecurity going because it's like a truly happy person wouldn't go around telling other people what they could or could not do because they're too busy being happy and they know that it, that it's possible to be happy. So if there's a person with big egos, just know they've got some stuff going on in their mind, right? Your ego is your identity. It's your sense of self. And, you know, I, since I do a lot of coaching with people, life type coaching, you know, I deal and, and with adults, I don't deal with kids. You know, I'm dealing with people who's ego is pretty established. It's wiring, it's biological wiring, but it's their sense of identity. And they, when, by the time they're coming to me, they want to change something about their lives, right? And that, that means that they have to actually change who they're being. Their sense of identity has to change somewhat if their external circumstances are going to be different because who they're been being has dictated the action they're taking, the people they hang around with, you know, all of it. So they have to be somebody different in order to have different results in their life. Your ego has a problem with that because it is your sense of identity. And, and it feels like, hey, you're killing me off here. I'm going to do everything I have to do to hang on to my sense of identity. And if that means me telling you, you can't do this, you're not good enough. These people will always be better than you. You don't have the right opportunity. All, uh, you don't have enough money. You don't have enough time. Whatever it has to do to hang on to its sense of identity, it will do. And it's always going to sound right. It's always going to sound reasonable and logical because it's in your head. <laughs> you've created it based on all of the evidence you've accumulated in your life. So you have to be willing to know that, okay, that's the noise. It's not true. It's not true. You get to choose who you're going to be. Now, when you do that, in addition to all the, the noise that comes up from your ego, you may experience noise from the outside too, because all the people that you've attracted into your life, whether it's the band you're in right now or the employees you work with at work and any even members of your family, your, your friends and everything, they know you the way they know you based on who you've been all this time. And when you make a declaration that I'm going to be this other thing or you start acting like somebody else, they may not be on board with that. It may make them uncomfortable. It may make, bring up their stuff about why they're limited and why they're where they are. They don't, they're uncomfortable with you moving up. So they're going to tell you why you shouldn't, why you can't, well, who are you, make fun of you belittle you, whatever, make it difficult for you because they're freaking out. It's always, always them. Right. Right. And, and sometimes it comes across as a voice of somebody trying to protect you. You know, I don't know if you should do this. You're probably setting yourself up for fa failure. Again, that's them, not you. Right. They don't know what you're capable of. You don't, don't even know what you're capable of. How can they? Right. So it's the, but the thing that's going to get you through all of that is the vision of how awesome this new version of you is going to be. It's not enough to know that you just want something different. You have to kind of know what is that something different going to feel like? Because when it gets tough, when the noises in your head get loud, when you're getting all this nonsense from the outside, you have to have something really strong and powerful to keep you in the to, in your own conversation, to keep you taking action despite all of that. And it's a big it's a big issue with law of attraction type stuff when people get into that conversation because you know they see the secret or whatever, and sometimes they think, oh, you know, I'm this one man. And show I'm a wizard now and I'm just going to do this myself, but it doesn't work that way. You need support. You need accountability. You need people who will believe in you. You need coaching. You need a lot of different things. You need a, a whole different circle around you if you're going to, to intentionally take yourself to a new level because, you know, if you don't have that, it's, it's just far too easy to hear reason in what people are saying to you about why you can't. You have to be a little bit 
unreasonable. You know, it's going to feel unreasonable. And yes, it's going to feel uncomfortable because you're moving through a comfort zone. That's why they call it that. Right. So, you, you know, you have, but to expect that and to know that it's part of the process can help because sometimes it means a lot of people make it mean, oh, I'm uncomfortable or they're saying all this. It means I'm not, not supposed to do it. That, and then your ego is thrilled. Wow. All I had to do was tell him that it's uncomfortable and he stopped or she, you know, and, and but that's always going to be the way. So when you learn to recognize the noise and, and really just become the observer, that's something that, you know, Steve, you know, I talk about this all the time sure. is when those things come up to, to, to get out of the emotion of it and the being in it and the believing it and letting it defeat you, observe what's going on. Oh, there's that thought process that always comes up. You know, and sometimes you can, from that state, you can go, and I know where that came from. That When I was four, my dad said this, and it stuck with me, and I've made it true my whole life. But that was him, not me. Right. You know, and so just the, the realization of what's true and what isn't can help you keep moving forward as long as you have the support that you need when it gets tough. Right. So, I mean, to sum that up for people who are trying to deal with other people with large egos, the bottom line is it's them, it's not you, you know. Don't worry about their problems or, or their issues. You know, focus on you and get into a good space for yourself. And you'll attract the right situations and the right people because things yeah, change. It, you know, seek out stories. Seek out stories, uh, inspiring stories of people who, you know, came from really unlikely backgrounds, who started maybe as a musician who absolutely sucked from the outside looking in, right? And who somehow through persistence through the years became somebody that you would never ever imagine sucked right you gotta fill your head with stories that are uplifting and show possibility rather than basking in the same old stuff you know that that you're surrounded by naturally you you do have to seek this stuff out you have to seek new information you have to seek new energy you have to seek new inspiration and immerse yourself in that because you're believe it or not if whether it's conscious or not you are immersing yourself in your limitations right now it's just autopilot it's just how you do life it's who you're being. So it, you, and, and that's why it stays the same. Energetically, everything stays the same because you're, you haven't changed anything. You're not putting in new information. So you have to do that. You have to find ways that, to shift yourself emotionally, to inspire yourself, because it's that feeling of inspiration that really does change things energetically. And now you're literally able to, from the law of attraction point of view, attract different things. Now, the way that shows up is you're just going to, you're going to be looking at life through a different lens because we are definitely looking at life through a lens and every single person has a different lens. We can all look at the exact same situation and have all different interpretations of it. Right. So truth is what we make it. Certainly our truth, what's true for us. We get to decide that right. nobody else does, but too many pe people let other people decide that truth for them. Right. And to that point, Bob too, sure. The more inspirational things you listen to and the more things that you watch and the more information that you immerse yourself in that is aligned with having a positive mindset right and making these changes and and being open to the limitless possibilities and casting the fear aside the more you'll adapt that sort of you know the, the, the paradigm shift right in your thinking to help you to now more naturally think that way if you didn't think that way before because you're constantly reinforcing it and like you said seeking out people in situations that also support that mindset and that sort of conversation both internal Internally and externally, you know, can also help to boost, uh, you know, your your self uh, dialogue, you know, within your own head, right? To change it to more of a positive.
positive things that you said you can observe when those things are going on and recognize them and say, ha, you know, trying to trick me into thinking that way again when I'm now focused on thinking in this other direction. Yeah, your feet right. And I, and I just feel, I feel really inclined to say that if there's anybody listening right now who is already kind of going through the, oh, this is just a lot of positive thinking nonsense, you need to stop right now and observe what you're saying. And how long have you been saying that to yourself? And how long is that your excuse for not taking action, for not getting inspired, for not believing in yourself? You know, if, if you've been jaded, which people are jaded for good reasons, maybe they've tried the law of attraction thing before and it didn't work and they felt foolish afterward or someone made fun of them or it didn't show up the way they wanted to or as they reached that comfort zone it just got too hard and they thought this isn't working and so now this whole idea of pos- and look it's not about positive thinking it that's the start it's a start it create the positive thinking creates positive emotion but but it's not it's not pie in the sky stuff what we're trying to say is not just think positive thoughts like but get clear on your vision and and who you're going to be and that should feel good it's not just about affirmations every day and saying different thing you know that's that may or may not work for people that's not it's not person positive thinking is just one small piece of this puzzle it's you will think positively automatically when you are when you are in alignment with who you're truly here here to be you know it's not that positive thinking necessarily makes that it's the other it's the other way around you decide who you're going to be what does that feel like and you're going to have positive thoughts yeah because a big misconception about the law of attraction is people hear about it and they think oh well everything's going to be perfect then and i'm never going to have any problems life goes on you have ups and downs you have challenges but it's how you feel about it and how you approach it that makes the difference how you handle it makes the difference going forward and that's where people get that that's where they give up they'll say okay yeah i'm all gung-ho about this law of attraction thing and then something goes wrong they think, ah, well, that didn't work. But that's not... It's all about, yeah, life, it's all life about what we make it mean. We yeah. are meaning machines. And, you know, we, like I said, we can all look at the same thing and it can mean different things to, to different people, which just shows there's no truth to any of it. So why not find meaning that makes you feel good? So, so but, but we, again, we think the way that we do and we, ha- we make things mean the things the way they do because of our, the way that we grew up, our parents parents, our schooling, our environment, society, what we watch on the news, the movies we watch, the TV we watch, the books we read, how have we immersed ourselves in our lives up to this point? And it's totally understandable that some people will look at life very negatively because that's now how they're wired. But if they are committed to not like if that, if they're really at the end of their rope with the feeling negative, they just don't want to do it anymore. They have to commit. They have to understand that it's going to be a process and that their ego is going to resist it. And it may seem a little harder are a little bit uncomfortable and they need to seek the support they need to get through that because it's such freedom on the other side. And yes, it's not about living perfect life where nothing bad happens. However, bad is a meaning that we're making it. Look, events just occur. Events themselves have no meaning. We make it mean stuff because of, you know, what we anticipate is going to be the fallout from it or, or any of that stuff. We, and that meaning that we make creates an emotion inside of us, which now we get down to the law of attraction level. It creates a very specific vibration, but it also affects and thus what we can attract and so on and how we're hearing our intuition. But that all translates into the action we will take. You know, so look, it's, it's, I can't tell you how many times in my life I've stopped myself from doing something because I've just said, well, that's just not me. Right. And that's the end of the conversation. Well, that's just not who I am. 
Well, guess what? That's a bunch of crap because I get to choose who I am. And if who I am doesn't feel good and if it feels limiting, then yes, it may be uncomfortable to change who I am, but when it's not set in stone. You know, I have been many different ways in my life, you know, depending on what my passions are and the, and the roads I go down and, and just where I choose to put my attention. It is not set in stone. If you want to be something else, if you want to be a happy person and right now you're a negative person you can be that but you got to understand what that's going to look and feel like and it may not be easy to do that right away it takes commitment it takes persistence but the reason you'll do it is because you finally get the vision of how much better life will be and what possibilities will open up for you when you become that but if you every single time let you know negativity or oh the law of attraction is a bunch of crap or just whatever if those types of conversations stop you every time here's what happens your ego gets to be right, and it loves that. It loves that. Even if it feels crappy, even if it limits you, even if it means no possibility, it would rather be right, right, and take no action and so they can prove, see, it's not working. Well, yes, because you're freaking committed to it not working. You're arguing for it every day. This won't work for me. Okay, so it, it will not, absolutely will not. You know, but if you if you are committed to making the change and you and you do it on a persistent basis, you do whatever you have to do. You learn to meditate so you can quiet the noise down, right? You self-care, you, you eat better or whatever so that your body chemistry is leveled out so that your brain isn't all out of whack. There's things that you, we can do to make this process a lot easier if we're willing to do it. It's just how committed are we to the end result? Right. And to, to tie this into music, too, and with vibration, I, I love the science of law of attraction. I always have, because I've been a science guy forever. Uh, but it's interesting with music. Music is literal vibration, measurable vibration like a is 440 hertz so it wouldn't be interesting if we could actually dial in a number for the vibration we're looking for or or sort of figuratively dial in that number like i want to know what it feels like to to play on stage in front of 2000 people and kind of dial in that feeling into you like as if it were a number like i'm going to turn you know to 100 whatever it is um because it, it is literal vibration. It is just, just as literal as a musical note. It, it is. But I also think, and I used, to think, I used to think about that all the time. And I used to get questions about that. Like, what's the frequency of abundance, right? Or something like that. But again, abundance is not a number. It's not specific. It's a feeling. And that feeling is going to be unique to you. And every part of your life goes into play. Vibra our, our, our overall energetic vibrations are very complex things. There's so much. Every part of us, our physicality and our thoughts, our emotions, every aspect. It, to measure it and get something specific, there's no way it's going to be the same for every single person. So that's why it's like, while it's, I, I love thinking about that stuff, and like it would be interesting to know, well, like, what is my number or whatever? That number isn't going to be the, the same for another person. So it's not, you know, there's 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 limited amount of information or a limited amount that you can do with that particular information. And you don't need to. And then... Uh, for the first few years of my quote unquote career, I was so focused on the science of it that, you know, uh, I don't think I put enough attention on the overall feeling and the who you're going to be and all of that stuff. It gets people bogged down. They're, they're trying to understand too much of the science of it. And, and again, guilty. I mean, I, I, because, and the reason I did that was because that's what gave me my breakthrough. I was not having any results with this because it sounded too new agey or too, you know, I wanted to believe it because who wouldn't want to believe we can manifest whatever we want, right? Everybody wants to believe that. But m the way that I was wired, I was, you know, the son of a school teacher, very analytical, 
fiscal. We, we had money problems growing up. And so, you know, it wasn't realistic for me. I just wasn't going to be able to make that leap. So when I finally got winded my way down to finding some stuff around the, the quantum physics of our thoughts and all these other things, that's when I was able to see, ah, okay, I see why things are playing out for me the way they are and what I need to do specifically to change it. And then that's when, and so that's why I put so much focus on that for the first, first few years of my career, which I'm thankful for because, you know, it got me into the secret. But now, as you know, Steve, I'm, I'm way more focused on who are you, who are, who do you want to be? How is that going to feel? You know, instead of, of even more than what do I want to attract out there, way more than the external stuff, first decide who you are because your vision should be shaped by that and not the other way around. Right. Yeah, I mean, and I think that ties into music too, Bob. Right? Like you said, if you feel a certain way when you're embarking on on practicing and playing, right? And like you said, you're you're, you're holding those thoughts in your mind, like I can do this, I will do this, I know I can do it. Um, you know, it's it's based on that feeling, right? That that passion to play. Like how many times, Steve, have you played with someone that said, "Man, that felt so good." Sure. That song just felt so good. And right. Like, earlier the audience will sing the same thing they're all dancing and they're swaying and they're because it feels good and that feeling is like you said is is what brings about the energy that that's what that's what attracts it yeah it's weird. you're right you know people people rarely i mean it, it depending on the musician or the other you know the performer if a person is known for being technically freaking amazing you know you may leave a concert going wow they played great but what you really are remembering most of the time is the overall experience the feeling you had when you were there there. And that's the magic, right? And the musician brings that to the table. They get to guide the feeling of the audience. If they're really, if they're present, they can do that. And that's what it should be about. Giving people an experience they will talk about whether every note was played correctly or every note was sung correctly or not. Yeah. And you know what? I play in the same club several nights a week and I've been doing it for years and years and years here in New Orleans. And I play the same songs and it's, I could play the same songs with the same group of people in the same place and then one night after the next, it's going to be different because of the feeling that we put into it. And sometimes I can play a song that I've played a thousand times and make it feel and it feels like it's brand new. And I try to mm -hmm. approach it that way. You know, I try. And that's that's one of the points that I've written down for myself to remember is to just play it like it's the first time every time, you know, and because you get that rush, you get that feeling and then you still have the proficiency though to play it really well so you don't have to think about any of the mechanics of it you're just focusing on the feeling you're just focusing on the the, the synergy and and the connection and all of that and that's the magic man that's 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 the juice there of being a musician and i know there's so many people out there that can relate to that and that's why they do it and it's just overcoming the the, the silly obstacles like worrying about stuff and 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 getting in your head once you overcome that and get past that and just focus on the feeling, then you're in. You know, that's all you need and to it's collect do. energy is the band too, Steve, right? When the band's yeah. pumping, right? And everybody's, you know, on the same page, so to speak. And if the, everyone feels that same way, you know, that's when it's like, wow, you know, when you can get, you can harness that collective energy all moving in the same direction. Yeah, the fact that you can do it with another four or five people, like do one, you know, all doing separate things for one collective purpose. In, in the moment, the, I mean, there's something that's just so amazing about that that I, I, it never, I, I never get over it, how amazing that is, the, you know, like how unlikely it is even to just 
be able to do that, to have that connection with all these human beings at one time and put out this feeling to other people where you're making them dance, you're making them sing, you're making them smile, you're making them forget about things. You're making them be present by you being present. And I mean, but you, I mean, what a gift that is for us as musicians to be able to do that, to reach out to people in that sense, just not by speaking, just by doing something that's going to touch them and, and make them feel something. What an incredible gift that is. And, and that's part of the reason that, that I, I, I mean, it's a, the reason I'm a musician and it's a big part of the reason I started Cover Band Central and, and all of this. I mean, that's what it's all about, man, to me. And to Bob's point earlier, you're present, right? You're not you can't be thinking about what bills you have to pay or did I call that person back? Like when you're in the middle of a song playing, right? You're in the middle of that song. You are 100% present, focused, channeled, and so is the audience, right? Because they're dancing along, they're singing along. They're not thinking about anything except where they are at that very moment in that, you know, in the present tense, which then, you know, aligns with all the energy that the band's creating in that very moment of the presence, right? So think of about that everyone is aligned right into that feeling yeah. i think tony when you said the collective energy of the band i mean i think that's you know playing in a band is is uniquely different than just playing solo i mean they're both great but when you when you when you do have that when everyone is there not to be the best in the band and or to stand out from everybody because that's when the ego stuff comes into play that's when the arrogance comes into play I, i'm sure you've probably been in bands where there's one or two people who are just like they're not they're not not embracing the group dynamic. It's like, hey, look at me, listen to me, and these people are supporting me rather than I am part of this collective energy and experience. And and I really think that that the more that it's cohesive, the more that everybody's on the same page to create the experience for the audience, the better the audience is going to feel, and and the better everyone's going to feel in the band as well. Yeah, definitely. Right. So it's not self-serving, correct? Right. What makes a great band is that everyone's playing for the song. I know it's everyone says it all the time, right? Like you know. Don't play for yourself. Play for the song. And when everyone's in that mindset, and to Bob's point, that collective energy, that that is you know unique and magical in itself. Yeah, and yeah. try not to compare yourself to other people. There's always going to be something, somebody better than you. You know, there's bass players a couple doors down from me that smoke me, but I don't. It doesn't bother me. I don't care about that because what's more important to me is the the, the love that I have for playing music. It's not a competition. You know, and when you're in a group of people that all feel that same way, which I'm lucky enough to experience all the time now because I'm playing with seasoned professionals that where we do it, you know, night after night, then then that magic occurs when because there's nobody on stage that's trying to outdo the other person, you know, and I that think it's a it's important to remember that, you know, technical and I have to keep this in mind and I, and I'm learning to experience this and, and, and it's become, it's about becoming observant of musicians and performances that I like, you know, a person who is technically like a virtuoso and can just shred or play the piano, like nobody's business, a person who is present can play a song with two chords, make mistakes throughout and create the same experience for the audience. If they are there, if they are connected, if they're, if they're in the flow, if the energy is there, it's not about, the experience, the overall experience is does not determine or how great you are technically doesn't necessarily determine the experience of the audience. It's right. who are you as a performer? How with them are you? And then that's what they'll because they're going to re again, they're going to remember. They're, they're going to remember the overall experience, the feeling that they had when they were there. And uh, again, unless you, you, you went to go see like 
Ingve Malmsteen or something. You're going to remember the you're going to remember that performance and the the technicalities of it. But you know, it's but it's also still the connection, the experience that is the overall thing they take away. Yeah, totally. And it may not move, Bob. Right, that that technical prowess. Like we've all seen these virtuoso guys that can play a thousand notes and play a million miles an hour, whatever the instrument is. Sometimes it doesn't move you, like you said, to something that's more simplistic, but that's played with a, with a lot of feeling and soul and heart behind. Yeah, yeah. it can impress you. It can impress you, but it doesn't give you that 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 thing in your heart. That emotional experience is what that's what really connects you. And in fact, if sometimes you just become inaccessible when you when you're when you're when you're like that, it's you're, I mean, look, people still may come and buy you buy your tickets and see your show because they, they like to watch that level of technical proficiency. But it's a different relationship they have with you on that level than if you're just if it's it's about your heart. Yeah, because right. most people do not care how good you are. Most people do not. There's you know, going to be a very small percentage of people out there watching you that are musicians that are going to be analyzing how good you are at your craft. Most people do not care and do not even know. They just know how, how they feel. Like you said, it's, it's all about the experience for them. So anything that's in your head about how, how you're lacking in any sort of skill is just in your head. It's n nobody else is thinking that. So as soon as you overcome that, you're golden. Uh, you know, we had uh, these two women come to the swamp, um, which is where I play. On, on Sunday night, they came, and they were just sitting there the whole night, and they loved us. They tipped the band, and they, they wanted to take pictures with the band afterwards. And then they came back. They were visiting New Orleans, and there's so many things to do in New Orleans. They came back the next night, and they were there for the whole night watching us again, playing the same songs with the same people and still smiling and dancing and, and loving us. And it was just because we made them feel something because of the energy that we have on stage. And it was dead, you know, the, but these people didn't care. They just they just loved the feeling that we provided. And yeah, man, that is just the magic and, of this. All of it. And growing up in New Jersey, Steve can attest to this, that we've, you know, we've experienced cover bands that were technically astute, tight, played the songs exactly like note for note and reproduction sound like a record that wouldn't draw that great of a crowd. But then you'd have other bands that were half the musicians that those guys were, but but made it fun and had a great time and didn't yeah. give a shit if they made mistakes. And those are the bands that drew the most people because it was like, we want to go see them, you know? Yeah, people right. want to have fun. That's it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because they made it feel different. The, the, the feeling, like Bob said, hit you in the heart, you wanted to go go and have a good time and all your friends wanted to go and it was you know you didn't care about the mistakes because it was the, the total collective energy and vibe in that place was where you wanted to be yep right absolutely so so i want to get to this bob because um you know this is a big part of why we're doing this um for the audience i've been working with bob for you know a year and a half two years um on stuff and i a lot of the things that i have accomplished you have been instrumental in motivating me and and providing guidance and i mean i can't thank you enough and i want to do that publicly because it's you know you've really changed my life in 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 inspiring me and, and guiding me and mentoring me and everything and now you do some one-on-one -on -one coaching with people that are looking to improve their lives in whatever situations and for my money man you're you're the best at it that of anybody I've ever encountered because of how much you care, how much knowledge you have, how laser focused you are when, when people are talking. You listen, you take it all in, and you give spot on feedback right away. 
And you have programs coming up. I know that you're going to be doing this for people where, where they can join in. And I'm part of one of your programs already. And I really encourage people to come check you out and see what, you know, you can do for them. Um, so, you know, talk about the Balanced Living Challenge. And, and I know you're coming up on the 10-year anniversary, man, which is exciting. Yeah. So, so when I got up against my stuff about performing music for people, um, we, we created this, we didn't do it for me, but you know, 10 years ago, it'll be 10 years ago, actually next Monday, um, we started something called the balanced living challenge, which was in essence, it's a big sort of group coaching program. And that's how I approached it at first. It was just going to be, you know, a group coaching program. And we were going to help people take on like, what do you want to get past in your life that you've been stopped on? And so I figured, well, I know how to do this and we'll coach them. But what happened was so much deeper than I thought, because when we got into the community setting, um, and it was so safe and everybody was being so raw and real and vulnerable. And I think it, it helped that I was doing it too. Like I wasn't just there as just the coach, Hey, I got all this together. Um, let me help you through your thing. I took on my fear of, of playing. And so my challenge was to, to within the 45 days, what I took on was putting on an event in Austin, Texas and playing music live and doing sort of a law of attraction talk and all of that. But that was be like my breakthrough performance. It was such a deeper experience than I thought. I really thought it was just going to be about getting over some stage fright, but I came up against, you know, all my stuff and it became this really, really deep journey for me, really transformative. And it was the same thing for people, other people too. And I've, I've got people now that we're up at 10 years and I'm looking at relaunching the boundless living challenge. You know, I'm talking to those people from 10 years ago and they're still impacted from it today. They've still got the same relationships from these, these friendships that they made 10 years ago. And Steve, I know, you know, from being in the group coaching environment, how strong the relationships are when you get in there and the support that you have. So, you know, I have been doing group coaching, uh, but not calling it the balanced living challenge and then not being the exact same structure, you know, for the past few years. But I've really realized in that time that, you know, and I appreciate all your kind words, but, and, and, and it is what I feel like of all the work I've done in this field, you know, digital programs is what I started with speaking on stages, all of those things, even the secret, my strongest contribution, what I'm best at what I love doing the most is these group coaching things through live streaming and zoom meetings and the support on Facebook and the private areas and just, you know, getting to know the people and helping them through, through, you know, getting, getting them to see that vision for themselves and getting really clear on who they want to be. And so when it was kind of brought to my attention, actually from one of the people in our group, um, through a series of conversations, wow, I, it really is. We're coming up on exactly 10 years. Maybe instead of next time, I'm just going to do another group coaching. Let's do the boundless living challenge again. And let's structure it like we did before with now everything I know today, 10 years later, the different, you know, style I have, the different techniques, the different everything, you know, it's just, it's 10 years. I'm 10 years better at doing what I'm doing <laughs> than I did, than I was 10 years ago. And let's call it the balanced living challenge again and all of that. So we're opening that up. Uh, originally my intention was to, to open it on the 10 year anniversary. And, but as I, as, as, I, as it's been progressing, I'm realizing to really make it as good as I can, it'll probably be, you know, probably a week after for that or some, but sometime within the next two weeks, this thing is launching. And, you know, back then there were th literally thousands of people in there. Um, things were a little bit different back then, but, you know, and it was right after the secret and so on. But the, but the idea is the same. We fill the group up with a lot of people who have, you know, something that they've been chasing and they just keep getting stopped, whether it's because of what they call external circumstances or whether they know it's their own limiting stuff, or they don't even know what they're going for yet. They don't have a clear idea of who am I or who do I want to be? You know, the challenge is an environment where you can get clear on all of that stuff. And so 
you know, what I, what I invite people to do is if they're the least bit even just curious, they can go check out balancedlivingchallenge.com. There's, you'll see Steve there. There's lots of testimonials from people who I've worked with. You'll get an idea of what it's about. Um, I do almost, well, several times a week I'm doing live updates on the challenge and how it's, you know, the launch leading up to the launch of it. And what I'm doing there is not just, it's not just marketing conversations about, wait, we're launching on this date. It's about me going through the process of doing this launch. And the reason that's a thing for me is because I got really jaded in the whole internet marketing thing. I really kind of pulled myself out of that world, the email list, the all the deliverability and just everything about it started feeling yucky for me. So I started I pulled myself out of it. And so now with the challenge and this new desire to, to do this work that I really, truly love um, and not try and force myself into liking it, which is kind of what made me pull out of it in the first place, you know, I'm facing some of my old challenges. It's like, how do I share this program in a way that is truly who I am now? Not the, the marketer person who I enjoyed being that back then. It was fun to market. I, I liked the game of it, um, you know, but, but now it's not, it's not the same. I like to do it differently. So, People can get a taste of if you do a hashtag uh, search on on Facebook of hashtag boundless living challenge, you'll see what will come up is a is is all these recordings I've been doing in the afternoon. And I think those give a much better flavor of what's possible in the challenge than the you know, you're, when you go to balancedlivingchallenge.com, you're going to there's this video at the top and it's just kind of your typical. I'm trying to explain the impact of it in four minutes, which is just it's just impossible. It's it's it's, it's way too deep. But but there are lots of tests testimonials there and people can that I think that a lot of people will identify with. Yeah, I was there. I was there. That's where I am. You know, whatever. Um, right now, it's not open for you can't enroll right now. That will happen in the next couple of weeks. But you can at least, you know, subscribe, put yourself on an email list that where you'll get information. And the thing about that, that list, and this is one of the reasons I resisted it is because I know how people don't like to give their email address because they don't want to get, you know, bombarded with a bunch of offers and things like that. This is is only about the boundless living challenge. It is only about updates, things directly related to it. I'm not sending affiliate offers from other people. I'm not doing it. It's, it's, but I have to be able to communicate with people to let them know this is what it is. Here's when it's happening. These are the details. So e even if you're not, you know, ready to jump on board yet, but you're curious and you want to just find out what it is, because this is ongoing. This is where I am putting my focus from here on in this particular conversation. You know, there's lots of things I do in my life. Life. This is one of them. And, and in terms of the law of attraction, this is how I'm going to be doing it. So it's an ongoing thing. And so if it's not the timing isn't right for you now, maybe it will be later. Or you can be learning more and more about it. Because I know it might take research and you might have to get through a lot of jaded conversation. Law of attraction, really? You know. And so I invite you to check that stuff out just to see that I do approach it differently than other people. I do try to make it more, you know, everyday, real and grounded and not so woo-woo-y. So you're, it's not, you're not coming in there with a bunch of, you know, huge leaps of faith, having to buy into all sorts of medical metaphysical ideologies. It's really about, let's just get you past whatever's stopping you in terms of taking the action so that you can realize the next step of your journey. Because every time you take action towards it, you're getting closer and closer and closer. And every time you move through a comfort zone, you're growing and expanding and getting closer and closer and closer. So something, something, if you've got that dream, you got to do something different than you're doing now. Because because if you've been doing the same thing over and over and over and it hasn't gotten you closer, then it is time to do something different. And so whether it's the boundless living challenge or something else, you know, I'm, I'm challenging 
encouraging you to do something, something that is different than what you're doing now, to think bigger, to see a bigger picture for yourself. And when you get uncomfortable, when it comes to a thought about doing something, you do it anyway. That's the strongest thing you can do. This whole thing about fear, you know, it's going to come up and it's natural and it doesn't mean you're not supposed to do it. It, and the freedom that you have on the other side of taking that action, when you've told yourself a million different reasons why you can't take it, it's profound, you, you know, because we can get into some real self-loathing and real, we get disappointed in ourselves when we make promises to ourselves, when we have visions that we don't take action on. And every time we don't do that, we just make that more and more solid. This is never going to happen for me. But even the littlest step of action, you know, can, can start to shift that energy and we can literally start to become that that person we, we want to be. And the challenge is just this, is just a, that's just an environment where that's all it is. That's what it's about. It's about living it every day. It's because it is an everyday thing. You're coming into the group, you're getting feedback, you're getting coaching, you're getting, you know, support, you're getting the accountability, all of those things you actually need to be able to get through all the tough stuff. It's there for you. That's the whole purpose of, of the challenge environment because real life doesn't give you that, you know, it doesn't give you that support sometimes. And you, and, 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 and you may be able to know that already, to look around and say, do these people support me? If I was to tell them that this is my dream, how much lash, uh, backlash would I get? You know, do I feel safe even expressing this to people? You have to be able to feel safe to, to do that. And the challenge is one is a place where you can do that. So, you know, it's just an invitation to go check out the site, maybe put your name on the list, get some updates, check out some of the videos, because this is your life we're talking about. It's, it doesn't get more, more significant than this, you know, and if not, not this, then what? That's really all I'm saying. If not this, then what will you do? Right. Yeah, man. I mean, the biggest benefit to me, it, it's like you get the one-on-one -on -one coaching, you get the group coaching at the same time. You make friends who are going to be friends for life. Um, and you're real, you know, as opposed to any other people, any other person that teaches this stuff, you're, you're more real than anybody. And Sarah commented that you're so genuine. And Sarah's another one that's in one of the groups that we do. And uh, Sarah's going to be a friend for life. Um, so... It benefits you on so many levels to have that support, that daily support, because it's and the, and I said this to you personally. The biggest, one of the biggest benefits for me is that we we do live interaction on video, and then it's archived. You have this to go back uh, back and look on. You know, you can go look six months ago and see where you were at, and see your journey, and see that that you have made progress, and that mm -hmm. gives you an extra boost of confidence, and that makes you feel like, wow, I really am accomplishing something in my life. I really, I have set, and the fact that you're you're having you're doing a challenge, it really kind of frames it where you can really set a goal and and achieve it, and then look back on that. And I mean, once you achieve a goal, you feel like you can achieve another goal. Like when I quit smoking, I felt like, man, if I could do that. I can do anything. So, yeah. you know, having that environment and, the other and thing, that support, man, from, from somebody like you who's so knowledgeable and so articulate and so caring, there's, there's no substitute for that, man. So I really invite everybody to go look. I mean, because you have like a ton of videos that people can watch out there for free on YouTube and just go watch those videos and get a taste of what it's like and realize how beneficial this would be in your life if you had this one-on-one -on -one contact with a person like this and with, with the people that you attract into that group environment because there's no substitute for that, man. You're going to find out that that most of us come up against the same kind of stuff. And so that's one of the things I like about the group as opposed to one-on-one -on -one coaching is because a lot of the ahas you're going to get aren't from the direct coaching you're getting. It's from the coaching that someone else is getting. You know, yes. you're, you're, 
you're listening to them and and you're going, oh my God, that's me. Or because it's not you, you you listen with a different sort, of, a different level of attachment, and you get to hear things in a different way. And so, like you said, everything's archived. So, you know, over time, there's hours and hours and days of stuff to refer back to for that inspiration, right? For that reminder, for those little boosts of, oh, yeah, that, you know, so it it does become this tremendous resource of all the things you need to keep in action. And thank and, and truly, Steve, thank you for the kind words. I really do appreciate them. Oh, yeah, man, you deserve it. You know, I, I see big things for you, Bob Doyle. <laughs> You're going places, kid. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks very much. All right. I, and uh, the live streaming, too, you do the Bob Doyle show. I know you've been uh, kind of on hiatus a little bit because you're focusing on ba- Boundless Living Challenge. But do check out the Bob Doyle show. That is uh, archived as well on YouTube. That's right. There's and you can go hours s- of viewing pleasure yes. await you. Yes, yeah. where you can go sign up and subscribe to his channel, click the bell. And um, I, I know you'll be getting back into that soon. Um, but that's yep. a whole different thing. And, uh, you know, I kind of wanted to touch on live streaming a little bit. I know we're like way over right now, but I, I really encourage musicians out there to do live streaming. And can you just like quickly summarize the benefit that you have doing live streaming? So, so many, so many benefits, because like I said, it's the same reason I, I, I enjoy live streaming um, so much more than like the digital programs because I am interacting with real people. Even if they're not live, I sometimes get comments after relationships are being built, right? And I'm in the moment, you know, like with digital programs or pre-recorded videos or anything, it's all, you know, it's written or it's what, it's just not the same as the energy with the live streaming. And it's just, a, it's just an opportunity to be your authentic self, to, to be vulnerable to be, because look, it's live. And so mistakes happen. And to, it, it's a way for you to learn to, to, to move through those things. And so, yeah, I'm just such a, the, the technology right now to be able to make those connections. And even if there's no one watching, right, at the moment when you're d- doing something live, which is the case sometimes when you start, when you start, but getting into that experience of just sharing yourself like that, you know, the reason, the reason I believe that you and Sarah and and so many other people came into the program in the first place is because you had seen me live stream for a while. You, well, you knew me from before, but some of these people like Sarah and some of our other friends, they didn't know who, I mean, they may have known I was in the secret, but that's, if that's how they know me, that's not, that's not the right, that's not exactly how I want them to know me. That's because I'm in more of an expert status there or whatever. And I run into that all the time. But through live streaming, people get to know my personality, my sense of humor, you know, my authenticity, my silliness. Just all aspects of me, and the more you can put yourself out there through live streaming, you you're and the more authentic you are when you do it. I mean that that goes without saying. You got to be you when you do it. That's more of an opportunity for you to literally attract the right people into your circle. You know, because I've certainly learned from coaching, and and doing all of this work that you don't want every freaking person in your circle. Not everybody's a match for you, right? <laughs> right? It's it's the quality of the people that you attract, and that's that's not just live streaming that's your life that's every part of your life the more authentic you are out there the more you try to not you know not try to be somebody you're not just to try to fit in or to make other people comfortable but being genuinely you then you know that the people who accept you are accepting the real you and not some version of you that now you have to maintain somehow and this is why so many relationships fail and 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 uh, careers end because you went in there trying to be somebody who was going to impress or live 
bend to the expectations of others, there's only so long you can maintain that, you know, before it starts to, before you start to build resentment or it just gets too hard or you lose your sense of identity. So live streaming is a way for you to play with just being who you are. You're not going to be liked by everybody, but the people who latch onto you are, those are, those are your people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that's what you want. Yeah. People identify with real, you know, when you're out there, warts and all, you know, people relate to that because they say, oh, wow, this person isn't, is fallible just like I am. You know, I can, I can relate to this person. And when they're comfortable being fallible, then you become comfortable, comfortable yes, being fallible. Yes. I yeah. think that was the, the part of the juice in the first Boundless Living Challenge is because when I was doing it too, and I was coming up against all my stuff and putting some really raw videos out there of, of my struggle, it gave everybody else permission to do the same thing. Right. Because if everybody's just trying to play it cool and only show their best side, then no growth happens. Yeah, so right? that's why I really uh, encourage it, musicians to, yeah, to do yeah. that. Because musicians are... That, that it's the same as playing live. Like you ha can't worry about the mistakes you're going to make, or you know the, the the goofs, any goofs. You know, just just be yourself, be authentic, and people will identify that. People will be attracted to that. So you know, live streaming is such a huge thing for musicians to utilize, and I've seen people out there do it really successfully. So um, I, you know, I've been pushing this forever, and I, I'm not getting too many people to get on board, but I I really encourage it for all those yeah, reasons. Yeah, just think about it like an open mic. I mean, to me, it's easier than an open mic. You know, you don't have to go and stand in line. You can be more comfortable. You can perform exactly how you want to. You can play as many songs as you want to. I mean, it is it is an open mic. It's just a virtual open mic. And because I watch open mics sometimes online, uh, uh, you know, and, and that's a great play. When you watch open mics online and you watch people do the open mic performance, even some of the great musicians... They get into this weird space. There's no connection. They're just getting through their song. They're they're not they're not really. It's not the same. And so with live streaming, when you're in the comfort of your own home, you get to warm up for as long as you want to before you hit live. You can be in the flow and then go live and then play as many freaking songs as you want. Take requests, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. There's even technology out there that allows you to take tips if you want to. That's what it's something I've started doing. Right, putting a layer of being able to take tips so you can literally have your own open mic performance and with you know, with, with some time and, and, uh, persistence, start building audiences and you can start literally making money, just goofing off in your home, playing the songs you love in the most comfortable environment you possibly can. And you're getting performance experience. It's not exactly the same as being in front of people, but again, the comfort level that you get and the people who keep showing up over and over, these are your diehard fans. You're going to get great joy out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and do it live too. You know, it, uh, if you're playing a gig, try to get a friend, get a girlfriend, somebody to go out there with their phone and go live for a song or two. Um, it, it can only help you. It's not going to hurt you. And, and it Absolutely. always works. It works. As soon as you go live, you'll get people watching, you know, it, it just works every time. So, yeah. um, highly encourage it. All right. Anything else, Bob, you want to talk about? No, I think uh, 90 minutes is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> right, Tony? We covered a lot of things in 90 minutes. It was great. Yes. Yeah, thank you so much, Bob, for doing this, man. It's, it's been a thrill for me to, to have this whole thing come together like this. It's, it's crazy cool. Um, well, it's fun. Episode 34. Is that yeah. what you said, or 37? 34, yeah. 34. 34. Yeah. Um, com. You can check out his program that's coming up. Um, sorry. Um, and Bob Doyle show on Facebook, Bob Doyle show on YouTube, 
friend Bob Doyle. He'll be, he'll be a friend with you. Um, and um, we got to do this again sometime soon. Yeah, thanks, Bob, so much for being on the show. Like I said, who would have known you know, tw- 15 years ago, Steve, doing Wisdom Hour, right? That here, here we are with Bob Doyle on, on our own CBC Wisdom Hour show. Right. Huge. Uh, I love that story. Yes. Um, Coverband Central on Facebook is facebook.com slash Central or the group facebook.com slash groups slash Central. You can sign up on the website coverbandcentral.com, which is really, really coming soon. We're actually making some headway on this. And here comes the theme. All right, guys. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Tony. Thank you all for listening. We will see you next time. Rock and roll. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.